0: Welcome to the Level Up
1: Artist Podcast. We are your hosts, Adriana May and Jackie Sanders. We are two art professionals sharing for the advice and business lessons we have learned along our creative journeys. We talk
0: to artists, leaders, and art professionals to demystify the creative process and discover new ways to succeed as a career-minded artist.
1: If you find value in these conversations, please go ahead and subscribe. This will help other creatives like you find our podcast and you'll be notified when we launch an episode every Tuesday. So on today's episode, we are talking about a very timely topic if you're listening in real time, but definitely applicable throughout the entire year. And it's how do you define success at art events? There are so many different kinds. There are outdoor markets, indoor markets, festivals, and really when you're in the thick of it, it can be hard to really measure the success of the event. So we're going to talk about some of our experiences, things that we've seen go well, struggles that we've had, and also ways that you can really shift your mindset to increase your chances of succeeding at an art market or different art events. So Adriana, I know you've had a lot more experience at art markets than I have. Of course, we both have community-facing studios and we have monthly events there, but you've really done a handful where you're Out in the elements, and probably the more traditional of what people think of as art events, where you have your table, your booth, the whole setup.
0: Yeah, and also like as we dive in into this, we are more specifically focused on this episode on in-person events. Um, Good point. Good point. Could work towards if you have an event that's say virtual online, a private viewing, et cetera. So some of the things will have crossover, but just FYI, we're mostly focusing on in-person. So I've done in-person ones and other than rare ones here and there, I mostly don't do a lot of the outside ones anymore, but it's not all bad, especially in the beginning. It's a great experience, but let's talk about like some of the Some of the good, the bad, and the
1: ugly. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of factors that you have to think about. And as you were saying, it's a great way for, especially as an emerging artist, as establishing your business to the initial benefit a lot of people think about is like, it's getting you in front of people. You go from making something in your home to then, yes, you can share it on social media, but there is typically a magic with either a painting or an art product or just regular products of getting it in front of your potential consumer or client yep. so they can see it, they can feel it, they can get a sense of scale. Um, and just getting that exposure is a big milestone for a lot of business owners.
0: Yeah, especially for folks starting out, which I did have at the luck that one of my friends has a community art center and that's where I had my first experience. It wasn't a huge event, it was small. But there were people there that I knew. My best friend was there selling plants as well. Um, another friend of mine was selling like, you know, she has a organic farm. So she was selling her, her stuff there, too. So it was like a general purpose one. So they're not all negative, right? Did I have stellar sales? No, but it doesn't matter. Like it was great first experience when I just had too much work already accumulated at my house. And I didn't even know how to price yet. And anyways, it's worth it. But there are some caveats, so
1: <laughs> right. Which I think even by positioning that from you, of course, have more experience with art events or markets. To where even the way you phrase that, you can tell it's initially a negative initial reaction. And it so it can be. It, it's right. also a personality thing, but we'll dive into that because that's a good point. Yeah, what are some of those initial apprehensions or negatives that? you see in that experience. So of course, if some of our listeners have never done an art market yeah. or someone like me, I kind of come in with rose colored glasses. I'm <laughs> oh yeah. Like that sounds great. You picture the perfect 75 degree day with a cool breeze. Yeah, and no, that's, yeah. Everyone's out and about and there's families and children are laughing, eating ice cream. Like it's the perfect event, right? That's not how I they know. all go. I don't, yeah. I don't get no. it. <laughs> no.
0: Uh-uh. Um, so I'll start with the caveats. So just FI, I'm going to get into the good stuff, but I do want to start with some of the, the caveats first. So um, one of the first ones that comes to mind is that it is an investment um, that you're going to be purchasing, you know, depending on the event and how formal it is. Um, and you need to be ready for whatever kind of weather comes with that so you're going to need tents and tables and things of that nature and you got to be prepared to be outside even if it's rainy or it's really cold um regardless of weather conditions you've got to be ready so that part of it was one of the areas where my first market was like a spring market so it was actually great weather it was fantastic but some of the ones I did later on in the year, was like, oh, um, it's raining and we can't leave.
1: Yeah, and, nobody- and you're right, that is a big upfront cost that I think it can hurt a little financially, especially <laughs> if you're in the beginning of your business, which yes, they are investments, right? Like if you're investing in a tent, you're investing in wall displays and tables, it's something that you purchase it once and then you have it for all future events, which is yeah. great. However, it is, I think, worth obviously talking about that is a big hurdle for entry for many markets. Some require that you have a tent, maybe if you need mm-hmm. yes, tables a on a specific size. size.
0: Yep. Yep. And my biggest recommendation with that, you know, silver lining is there are plenty of Facebook groups, um, for different events and things where you could ask somebody to at least rent their equipment or borrow it. You know, if you have friends that do events as well, um, that's a great idea. Events you can share uh, a booth with somebody else. So that might be another way to experience it. And, um, regarding the weather, just be prepared, have a raincoat in your car, you know, that's the best or a coat of some sort, um, and ways to cover your stuff. So um, caveat, but then the workaround. Um, Another one, and this one, unless you're best friends with whoever is hosting the event, which is not necessarily likely, is that you can't choose where you're going to be placed. So even if you arrive early, some events are a first come, first serve situation. Um, but a lot of them, they'll just send you a schedule up in advance and say, "This is where you're going to be set," and you can't pick where you're going to be. So you could be next to a dumpster, porta johns. Uh, you could be right next to where the beer is being served. So nobody cares about your art, they just <laughs> <get> alcohol. <laughs> or um, they're
1: just standing in the long line, staring at it. It could be a perk. It
0: could maybe, be a perk. <laughs> but their eyes are on the goal usually. Or, or maybe there's like a cute puppy next door. You know, kind of like somebody selling dog treats and. You know, it's cute, but it's not necessarily conductive to, you know, conversations and the smells can definitely be a little (laughs) off-putting. There's some, that one, you know, I guess the best thing you can do is like, especially if you're coming back to the event, um, is establishing that relationship with the folks that run the event and be like, hey, um, last year was next to the dumpster. Anyway, you can put me somewhere a little bit more favorable this year. Right. Nicely. But so there is some hope, but the first time will. Yeah. Yeah. Get but
1: <laughs> of course, those are all factors that there are risks, which we do want to acknowledge up front. But art events are also super awesome yes, for are. getting that in-person interaction. I feel like it's almost a rite of passage for, and we're talking so far about predominantly outdoor market type events. There are several um, indoor options, whether at breweries or convention centers, we can set up a table and they sometimes are more of a, you just bring your pieces and they have tables already set up. They have a set booth size set for you. Um, they may have a entry cost of course, or application fees, which is more money upfront, but it's a more controlled environment. Um, But any of these events, especially as we're going into the holiday season, are very popular and are just a great way to get in front of those potential customers that you want to interact with more consistently. Um, Plus, if they bring their friends and family, it's just more and more of your potential target collectors, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, it is. And especially for those artists that perhaps only work from their home studio and they're not prepared to have um, visitors come to their home studio, maybe you have to go through the living room and up the stairs and past the bathroom to get to your home studio, right? Um, then this is a great way for you to have, you know, visitors come and see you in person in an outside public environment. Um, so I think that's, that's a good one that you pointed out. Um, I feel like another great benefit of doing art events is Learning how to succinctly (laughs) describe what you do, like be able to articulate what your work is about. um, It can be a great first touch point for your potential customer. So especially in the beginning where you're like, maybe you make things because they're fun to make and that's your hobby and that's all you got. And that is totally fine. Um, But then maybe you have something a little deeper. You just wanna brighten somebody's space or whatnot. You'll get a better feel as you're interacting with people on how to actually talk about your work in a more meaningful way and or maybe in a more sales productive way. Honestly, like if you're sitting there 10 minutes talking to one person about this one painting, you're missing out on the other 15 people that just passed by looking at your stuff because you need to greet them too so that they'll stop by. And so you'll learn. um, over time right as you do these events of like okay I gotta greet everybody how do I greet you know how do I face them you know how to and it, it just takes time and depending on your personality which is something I referred to earlier especially if you're a little more on the introverted side of things it may take a little bit longer but you'll also benefit from being around other artists and hearing how they do it mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with being like oh I like how this person greeted I'm gonna iterate don't copy always iterate, <laughs> I'm gonna make my own version of that and adapt it and see how it works. And you get to test it out. So I don't know. I think
1: it's great. Yeah, I think that experimentation is, at least from my experience with events, probably the most beneficial thing, um, which we'll go into shortly of different ways you can define success at these events. Um, but the also the other great thing is, yes, there are upfront costs in terms of investments to your display or maybe booth fees and application fees. But you do have that wiggle room of you don't necessarily have to have your website fully completed yet. You don't have to be taking product photos of every single piece and have them listed on your website shop because it's different than if someone finds you online and they want to have an interaction with you that's entirely online. You have to have your online foundation built, right? But if it's in person, you can kind of get away with at least for a while of doing just entering the dollar amount of what the piece you're charging for into your square reader or if you are doing cash however you're charging them exchanging money um you can manually put everything in so it does take a lot of that like admin upfront work down especially if you feel like you're maybe still trying to find your style if you're still trying to figure out do I want to go in this direction or that direction and you haven't built your full website yet full artist statement you can kind of use these as a way to learn about yourself learn about your process um and get that customer feedback while hopefully making a few sales along the way which
0: yeah yeah. no and there there is a another thing I just thought about while you said that um if if you don't have your style yet this is a great way to kind of start figuring out what kind of customer you want to have, and what kind of niche you want to go after, although depending what stage you're in, you don't have to do this right away. Um, But there is one thing that I do have to caution y'all about, if you haven't faced this yet. There may be something that sells really well that's not necessarily the green light to make more of exactly the same mm-hmm. because every event is different. And you may have an event where, like in my case, I make abstracts and botanicals. So some event botanicals, I mean, I can't keep them in stock. They're just lying. And there are events where it's the abstracts or it might be little things or it might be bigger pieces or like it varies So do know that one or just a few events is not enough to really change what kind of creative output is coming out of your studio. That's not enough data, so to speak. It takes a while to realize what is actually selling consistently throughout your different events. And also, it still needs to line up with what you like to do. So if it's something you're looking to retire Stop bringing it, even if it sells well, because then you're just well. Might as well have a desk job at that point. You know, (laughs) you're gonna be working on stuff that you're not a big fan of. But it is a good way to get feedback, you know, from folks and just try to see like what's selling, what kind of comments are people are saying about it. You know, obviously, grain of salt, (laughs) people, grain of salt. Uh, (laughs) the kind of comments you'll hear, they're mostly positive. So don't don't let the negative ones stick with you. But um mostly positive, mostly great, but yes, careful with the whole, like what sells is what should be created in volume next time, because that's actually going to change with every market and the type of people that go, it changes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a great point in terms of um, bringing us into the main part of our topic today of how do you define success at an art event? And I think this is typically a topic that people Um, kind of assume at surface level is one thing, but as artists who have experience with in-person events or art markets, you slowly learn that there are kind of these hidden gems of value above just the surface level, how you may think you would define success. Um, Because as you talked about in the beginning, there are some markets that do amazing and you feel like I'm on top of the world. This is the best day ever. You have that high and it's the feeling that everyone wants going into an event. But there's also those other days where maybe the weather's not great, there's not good foot traffic, or maybe there is, but you feel like you haven't made any sales. You're like, why am I here? This was a waste of time. And whether it's indoor or outdoor, I always go into events like that of thinking, okay, well, the second I have that feeling of, what am I doing here? Like, is this a waste of time? Instantly trying to ask myself and switch that conversation of how can I still make this time worth it? And that's what spurred today's conversation of really looking at events and how we see defining success can really go down into three different categories. You can look at the revenue from the event, the relationships built at the event, and realizations that you've had. Um, So let's go ahead and dive into the first one, which is typically how most people would define success on a very surface level of an event is with the revenue that you make.
0: You mean the monies.
1: (laughs) Give me that money. And you're like, I didn't make any sales. This was a waste of time, which is one factor. But
0: it's it's just one factor and it's tough because depending on how much you spent, um, it's not just your time there that you didn't necessarily in a way get paid for, right? It's also depends how much the event costs. So some events are either free or really cheap to participate in, like 25 bucks to have your booth. Um, So that's great, especially if you're starting out. But there are others that are 300, 700, $1,200 for just a weekend. What? Um, So it, it might be rough if you feel like you're in the red, but there are several numbers even within that that you need to consider. So the first one, I think a lot of people, Right off the bat, we'll think about because it's easy. It's how much did you make that day, right? So what was your what was your take home? But then you also have to look at what was your actual net profit? So if you take that income that you received during the day, you need to subtract the cost. So your time, the booth fee, processing fees, if you use like a credit card processor, et cetera, um, the gas to get there, if you paid for any extra equipment rentals, et cetera. So that's another number to look at. Um, You're also going to want to look at your total number of sales. So how much volume did you actually push through? Did you just sell three paintings and they were big and it was worth it and that's the end of it? Or did you sell a lot of tiny little greeting cards or note cards or or whatever? And then um, another number to look at, which I think this one to me is a little bit more important sometimes uh, if your net profit, especially if it wasn't that great. It's number of new collectors, mostly because maybe they didn't buy a lot. Maybe they only bought something small, but a lot, a lot of times that's just their first purchase. Hopefully you added them to your newsletter, which we'll get to that. Um, but essentially, hopefully they'll come back and buy something else. Uh, hopefully, you know, with more money tied to it, um, and or can support you along your journey and, you know, who else, what else comes out of that. But, um, Yeah. It's not just like how much I only make $200 today. I'm in the negative or whatever. There's, there's a few other things to look at revenue wise.
1: Yeah. And I think, especially as you touched on earlier too, looking at that revenue of breaking it down into those different types of numbers, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take immediate action in reaction to those numbers. If you said, oh, well, I sold 50% of my sales were in note card or greeting cards then I need to make 500 more greeting cards. Oh, no. which if you want to, that is great. But if more so it's just so you can make informed decisions as a business owner. And it may be, well, yeah, because this market was two weeks before Christmas. So everyone was thinking about the holidays. If you have that same number of note cards in January, the product might not sell as well. Or vice versa, like it, there's so many different factors of, the market location, who shows up to the market. And like, as you were saying earlier, why something sells over something else. Mm -hmm. You can't always decide that based off of an isolated event. So our suggestion is typically, if you are gonna be doing markets, go to multiple and you can have slight iterations from market to market or event to event. But for those large decisions as a business, give yourself time to gather that data. And so you can see, okay, over the year or over the last six months, what are those trends? Not what's one weekend.
0: Yeah, um, there's a, a quick one. Sorry, I'm going to make a quick parenthesis before we move on to the next one. I just thought of something else. Um, as you were mentioning, like go to the different markets. It's also go in advance, actually. So yeah. if you can, especially if they don't have an entrance fee, which most of them don't as a consumer, Go see them and go talk to the folks at those events and be like, hey, what price point sells well? Because some markets, they'll tell you anything under 50 bucks, anything above that, forget about it, like have a few, but it's not going to sell well or whatnot, because that will help inform your goals regarding revenue and what kind of inventory you should take and what kind of revenue you can expect. So There we go. All right,
1: Right. moving on. (laughs) No, I think that's a good point because like not every piece should be brought to every art event. You have Mm -hmm. to know the clients going there. And that's not saying that, okay, if the pieces you bring are a hundred dollars and less and someone asks, hey, I need a six foot painting for in my living room. Is that something you can do? It's not like obviously saying that you can, maybe you have picture images, the show other breadth of your work if they want to ask about it. Um, but there are other ways to show your range as an artist, but not taking up that precious table space or that table like that wall space when you know odds are this six foot painting is not gonna sell at this market. It may sell at a more fine art event yep that it doesn't make sense to bring twenty five dollar pieces that is like you that's where you bring the several hundred or even thousand dollar pieces. Yep. Um, So it's really just doing that research, but gathering the data in terms of the revenue um, for those events is great as a business owner. Um, And that's typically the obvious one, as we mentioned, but other things that you can really think about both before the event and while at the event, if for whatever reason, you just get that energy and that vibe, like today is not going to be that big winning sales day. I'm not going to make xyz numbers there are other wins that you can have at the events um and i always think about relationships um but not just oh i had great conversations and that's it of is there still something tangible that you can leave that event or that amount of time with that will set your future self up for success um so of course having quality conversations Maybe conversations that are alluding to potential opportunities in the future are amazing and definitely worth taking note of. But did you get people to sign up to your newsletter? That's future consistent um, communication that you can build that relationship off of. People that connected with you on social media, um, maybe networking contact exchanges with other people that have booths there or people that visited. So maybe you exchange emails. Those are things that are very tangible assets, which you, it's hard thinking of your like relationship building as like a business asset, but that's what it is. It's a contact. It's a potential opportunity. It's a planted seed with a potential future collector, but by getting their email address and putting them on your newsletter, you're then turning that 30 second interaction that you had at the art booth four months ago into an ongoing relationship because they receive your monthly newsletter and then maybe they hear about another art event that you're doing. They show up to see you because now they've gotten to know you. They're kind of familiar with you and maybe they purchase at the next event or maybe they purchase through your online shop. But again, it's turning that 30 second interaction or five minute conversation into a future opportunity, which is so, so cool.
0: I know. And I have a good example of this actually at a market that I had where the market, it was freezing cold. There wasn't a lot going on, Foot traffic was a little lacking, which is fine. But there was this uh, young couple that came by with their uh, little ones and the little ones were rowdy. (laughs) I mean, they were just running around. They were super cute. Um, But They got my card, but apparently they lost the card, but I did get to sign them up on the newsletter and they couldn't remember how to find me. But once they got the newsletter, they're like, ah, we wanted to buy some stuff for me. Well, we couldn't that day. Plus the kids were running around. So they actually ended up reaching out later and she bought four paintings. Thank you very much. Yes, she drove like over an hour to come get them too, like afterwards. Like it was great. Like they were just there to visit family. So she made the arrangement later and everything else, but it was because she got on the newsletter. And on that day, I mean, again, my revenue was like, but having that connection made it completely worth it. Yeah. Came back and then made the purchase. So it wasn't on that day but it was a, as a result of that day, because otherwise she may have never, we may have never crossed paths. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's amazing. And that's, yeah. And I feel like that happens pretty frequently with our studios having, we have monthly first Friday events. And so I've had that happen a lot, which is so it's the best feeling because it feels like it's coming out of nowhere, right? You get the email one day and someone just wants to buy a piece out of nowhere (laughs) or multiple pieces or commission you, but it really is because of that previous intentional time. And so it does take time and momentum to build that, Um, but it's by planting that seed that you're setting your future self up for success. Um, And it's also having that specific time, yes, with the people that you're interacting with, um, but another way to also shift your experience is potentially having some realizations Um, that you may not have had prior as a business owner, like assuming absolute worst case scenario, it feels like a desert street. There's no one visiting (laughs) your, or you're sitting in your studio and you're like, there's literally no one here. I'm just twiddling my thumbs here. Um, You do have that opportunity to say, okay, how can I rethink my booth setup?" Maybe you have art prints in the back left corner normally. What happens if I put them up front? Does that interact the the traffic in my booth? What happens if I put this signage eye level versus down low? What happens if I shift this above here? So you can also do those small tweaks with just kind of putting like the store owner layout or hat on of basic navigation, what looks good, but also taking that time to look at your artwork. What does everyone, what are they drawn towards in your booth? Is it because of the location of the piece or is it because people really enjoy those bold yellow and blue colors and they're so-so about this other motif? Not saying it has to inform your future creative decisions, but it is worth noting. Or like, how do you feel about everyone being drawn towards this piece? Are they drawn towards your favorite piece? Or are they drawn towards something else. Um, again, not that you have to take action on it, but they're great realizations that you can have. Along with talking about your artwork, talking about your creative journey, your story, you kind of start getting or forced to get that elevator pitch down, which we definitely encourage people practicing prior to the event. Of if someone asks about your influences, what will you say? If someone asks how they can stay in contact with you, what are you going to say? And you kind of are forced. Maybe more gracefully with some conversations than others, but you're forced to have those conversations um and really cement down that elevator pitch.
0: I know there's one other realization I just thought about too. Today's the episode when I I keep going. I just thought of something else too. <laughs> uh, but um what comes to mind too, realization-wise is how long do you need to recover from the event? Like make sure you give oh. enough time. And if there's anything that's like sticking in your head, whether it's like positive or negative comment that you know, a visitor could have made, mm-hmm. having a support network, you need to have a support network. Um, I feel like realization wise, extremely important if you're gonna be doing events, whether it's another artist that does an event, family member, loved one, um, I think that'll be really helpful. To be like, okay, number one, I need a break because it can be socially draining, especially for the introverts, thank you very much. Um, But number two, and physically draining, but then also like the whole talking it through with somebody else where you can say, how do you think the setup was? Did you see anything? Especially if they come and give you a potty break relief, right, which hopefully you have that too. Um, You know, what do you think I could change and things like that. Just kind of having like some of that um, support and feedback loop uh, going on as well. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, so that you're not just stuck in your brain of like that went great or that went terrible. You can have, you know, additional, um, feedback to kind of help balance that out.
1: Yeah. And that's a great point that as someone who is typically very extroverted, Mm -hmm. I did not think about, but that makes sense of, you may be able to figure out what is that social battery that you have. of okay realistically, if it's an event for two hours, you're good. You don't necessarily have to plan snacks. You don't have to plan a bathroom break. You don't have to plan a social 15 minute break, but if it's a seven hour market, you may be like, okay, I need someone there two hours in and I need someone there four hours in to give me a 30 minute break. Who is that person going to be? Do you have to train them on how to use like your card reader or do you want an assistant there the whole time So you have that support system that you can talk to while it's like that awkward, small talk when someone's looking (laughs) at your stuff and you don't know, like, do I talk to them? Do I give them space? How much do I talk to them? Which (laughs) is a common dance that we all face. Even the most extroverted experts feel awkward at times. You're like, do I talk to them? Do I not? Am I going to like kill the sale by not saying anything? Or am I like disturbing their peace? I don't know. (laughs) which is all part of the experience yeah it's
0: tough and I feel like you know bringing it back to was the event successful or not I feel like if you're taking those things into consideration one measure of success is you're not absolutely drained tired and like really like upset about the event you're just like that was actually fine like regardless of where the sales were but you're like that was that was good I met some people I made some sales I had snacks when I needed to, because nobody needs a hangry person in a booth. Thank you very much. And you're just like, and I have my support network slash feedback loop. And yeah, that was good. And I'm ready to do it again. So I feel like that sustainability check-in, if we can call it that, um, would be an important realization as part of what, you know, how we can define success. I I think sustainability has to be in there too.
1: Yeah. And so when it comes to all these different factors, Um, Of course, with any event that you do, it's always good to have goals prior to the event. Even if your very first one, you're like, well, I don't know what my revenue goal should be. I don't know what my number of newsletter sign up goal should be try to do your best to guess. And then that way, you know, wow, I overestimated by a lot or wow, I totally underestimated, which I feel like is typically the case for events, (laughs) but set those revenue goals, set the relationship goals, set those maybe realization goals. What are you going to experiment with at your event booth setup? Um, and consciously look at, okay, this is what my goal is prior. And then at the event, you can be thinking about those things as you have conversations. If you go into an event saying, I wanna have 50 new people on my newsletter, that can help curate the conversation that you have with people. Like that's your ultimate goal of the event is to get people on your newsletter. And that can like basically instigate, oh, you have a great conversation before moving to the next person remind them of your newsletter sign up list. They might do it, they might not, but at least then you have a goal that you can work towards. And even if you're at the event, Maybe one of these three goes super well, maybe two do, but you really are able to then gauge success of the event. As you said, Adriana, like by taking the emotion out of it, which emotional validation is definitely a good level of success for some, but you can also then shift your energy. If one of those three things, revenue, relationships, or realizations is not going well, you can then say, okay, let me focus on this other one instead and still focus on at least having one of them be the win.
0: Yeah. And then when it's fresh, you know, the emotional part might still be a part of it, especially if it didn't go the way you hope. But I think it's extremely important to always do a look back, reevaluation to figure out you know what you may need to tweak. Like if it's your first one, that's just 1.0. You're going to keep going, right? Like don't gauge it by the one. Even if you've been doing markets, maybe it's the first time you do that specific market or that specific location or that specific time of the year. Um, it, it takes time to tweak that. So you can think about different things like what went well, Like no matter if it tanked, you need to think about what went well. There's going to be at least one thing, I promise. And um, is there anything that can be improved for next time? Is there anything you had you wished you had done prior to the event to be more prepared because honestly a lot of that stress level that you're going to feel especially at the beginning has to do with how well prepared you were in advance mm-hmm. so perhaps it's a packing list perhaps you think of like oh i could have used a QR code for email signups instead of a sheet um or maybe the card, the business cards needed to be spread out a little bit more because there was a bottleneck do I need to upgrade my payment methods instead of inserting the card? They can just tap. Right. right. Um, and any other tools that could be helpful. Maybe you have like an emergency repair kit, like duct tape would have been nice because just right. spell like, and I could have just, you know, tacked it up. Yeah. So things of, of those. Um, it's good. While it's still warm in your memory, maybe not right there and then, but I feel like it's good to kind of do that look back Revaluation, and that way it'll make the next event even easier to
1: tackle. Exactly. Especially when thinking about future events, whether you are planning on doing art events or art markets back to back to back, and that's going to be your main revenue stream, which is amazing and awesome to do your research and invest in the display items that you need for those events. Or maybe you're going to do two and three throughout the year when it's convenient or when you feel like it or when the opportunity lends itself. But either way, having that post-show evaluation is super helpful because it kind of takes the rose-colored glasses off of the (laughs) event and typically puts the experience into pretty black and white um, data, numbers, experiences that you document. Or if in hindsight, you say, oh, I thought that event was terrible, but realistically, I got this many number newsletter signups. I was able to grow my marketing efforts by this much. It actually led to this opportunity two months later. So even though it was raining, it was actually worth it. And that's the kind of stuff, whether it's a good first impression or a bad first impression right after the event, it's always good to document how it went. And then also what your action plan is after the event and for the next one coming up.
0: Yeah. And as we wrap this up, one last reminder, sorry, I mentioned this before, but I got to mention it again. You need to go to the events, especially in advance. If you can take notes, talk to other creatives, maybe an outdoor craft event at a farmer's market is not your jam. And that is okay. Maybe it's an indoor one, but for you to even know if you're going to be ready for it, you need more data. You need to talk to other folks and go experience it yourself. See what it's like and also see if you can envision your art being there too, because depending what stage you're in, you know, a high-end art market, if you're beginning and your prices are $25, like you mentioned earlier, it's not there yet. So you may need to work your way up. So you got this, obviously we're encouraging you. Uh, we're cheering you on if you're trying to do an event. We hope this is really helpful, but that's all we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: As always, look for blogs. vlogs in today's show notes, we can find episodes, show episode notes, resources, and links to all of our other podcast episodes. If
0: you want to stay connected with us in between episodes, share we have learned, you can follow us on social
1: media. I'm at Amade Art or all Platforms, and I'm at Jay Sanders Studio on all platforms. Or if you want to follow the podcast and share how you experience wins with revenue, relationships, and realizations at your favorite art events... You can follow us on Level Up Artists on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.